what up? What up, man? <laughs> you eating, man? You tried to slip in. You tried to slip in some food. <laughs> Listen, yeah. Oh, you tried to slip in food while we playing the intro. Y'all got me all messed up, man. This this ain't the time we usually stay. I'm it's not nine. It's not nine p.m. at all. I'm usually sleep right now. So I gotta eat cookies to stay awake. Gotta eat cookies to stay up. Hey, that's that old man behavior. That's that old. That's that old preacher behavior. You need your sugar before you preach, so you don't pass mm -hmm. out in the pool. Yes, sir. <laughs> What's going on, man? Nothing, man. I mean, okay, you know, so five o'clock is not nine o'clock. Usually, usually we're good and rested. We've ate our chicken, our, right. green, our greens and cornbread. We passed out and took our preacher naps. And we had to interrupt our preacher naps to get up and do this. So we hope everybody appreciates it. When I got that bing for the thing, I was like, oh, man, I got to get up, get dressed. Okay. But hey, I asked my boy for a cup of iced tea, and he brought me this bucket of uh... <laughs> kids, man. <laughs> you should have brought me my big preacher challenge that we have in the pool pit, you know, the glass. Right, uh, right, right, right. Yeah, that's what, that's what we need. On the top. Welcome, everybody, religiously incorrect. Give you a minute to tap in and say good morning. Good, good afternoon to everybody on this Super Bowl Sunday. It's our five o'clock. That's a Super Bowl song. That's a theme song for the. No, that's like uh, ESPN. Yeah, something you don't like, know, man. Whatever. You, you no. wouldn't know. You so know. You think about who got inducted in the Hall of Fame, man. Uh, Charles Woodson got in. Uh, Randy yeah. Moss. Okay, okay. Uh, got in. Yeah, Alan Fanica from hey, the. Uh, still playing. Huh? <laughs> Randy Moss still playing. <laughs> don't yeah, hear. Yeah. Randy fighting. Moss is still playing. Randy Moss is still playing. <laughs> hey, nobody told him he was retired. He's been playing for free for the past eight years. Him and Emma Smith still playing. And that child support to do you in, Doc. That child support to keep you. That child support to keep you playing on on bad new on on bad knees. I, I saw somebody. Is it Ocho Cinco? Somebody playing? I don't know. They shouldn't be playing. Ocho Cinco isn't still playing. Somebody playing? I don't know. It don't matter. I guess. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Alan Fenneker got in from this Pittsburgh Steelers. You know. Nobody cares. Listen, <laughs> hater. Just because, uh, who's the last person to get in from the Browns? Jim Brown? Probably. I, I uh, Auto, Auto Graham? <laughs> Metcalf, Eric Metcalf. <laughs> Paul Brown. Bernie. Oh, Bernie. I heard they were trying to get Bernie in, man. What do you think? I think he should. I mean, you know, just because he have a couple drinks every now and then. You know, he got the numbers. Yeah, he, he got it. Good afternoon, Lady Dela Cruz. Good to see you, Sarah. Wonderful. Thank you for joining us. So, uh, Super Bowls tonight, Jeff. You know, we're both pretty avid football fans. Uh, both of our teams got knocked out. You all knocked us out. You know, before you got knocked out, who you got, man? Oh, it's 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 uh, it's a big one tonight, man. You know, it's it's a hard decision because obviously, you know, you you. You, you can't help but to root or at least appreciate what Brady has done, you know, but then it's the start of Black History Month. So, yeah, yeah that in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. We're rooting for the black guy, even if sometimes you can't tell if he's really a black guy. 
Cause I, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. He got, he got something up in his blood. He, he Kablazian. He got some stuff. He's Kablazian. He's got something, man. But you know, I want it like, I want it like Donovan McNabb, Michael Vick. You know, I want it like, you know, around the way, hang at the corner store, black guy to win. I wanted the, you know, the guy, uh, the, guy would take, the guy from, um, from Baltimore. I'm yeah, like, yeah, Lamar Jackson. Yeah, he's he, he, he no more interviews. <laughs> no, 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 the only one worse than Lamar Jackson is Jameis Winston, who I affectionately call <laughs> who I affectionately call Aunt Jemima. <laughs> he talks just he talks like a caricature, you know, it, it, it's just so bad. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I I think Mahomes is gonna pull it out. I think the Chiefs have the whole package. If as long as he doesn't have a bad game, I think they'll pull it out. Yeah, I mean, I I, I do like Mahomes. Uh, you know, I'm kind of, you know, messed up because they are the ones who actually cheated the Browns out of going. But listen, man, uh, I think, okay, here's what I will call perfect justice. Every team at some time or another is going to get cheated on a concussion call. True. I, I just think I've been watching college, NFL, either you don't get the call when you should. Well, you do get the call when you shouldn't. Every right. team is gonna get bit, and every team is gonna benefit at one time or another from this concussion stuff. Yeah, and that was just a it was a it was a it was a bad time. Everything was going our way at that point. Yeah, it was. Everything was going our way at that point. That 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 call really took us out. But it wasn't guaranteed to go your way to it. I mean, you know, you guys are the collapse champions of the world. So what are you what are you gonna do? Going to do. So it's Black History Month, man. Your church, uh, your church, do anything special for Black History, y'all? Oh, I, I preached. I, 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 I uh, gentrified and uh, uh, syst- uh, systemic racism, and yeah. I, I used every Black History term. I talked about Thurgood Marshall. I talked about Carter G. Woodson, <laughs> Rosa Parks, Harriet Tubman. I, I, I brought them all back to life, Doc. I, I, I can't wait till next week. We said Jesus was in the back of the bus with Rosa. We got to make every, you know, you only get four weeks to make every, every black history reference you possibly can. You I know. start talking like Martin Luther King. <laughs> if you can't fly, then run. I, 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 run. I did drop a few words. Uh, I did drop a few words today. Uh, okay. Some of the uglier terms that were referred to us, but it, there was a purpose behind it. I wasn't being smart. I was. It was a redemptive message, but uh, you know, plugging into the ugly past, if you would. But you know, you know what does hurt is every year the the members will wear their their you know Black History, you know their Black Pride garb, you know the, the dashikis and the hat, yeah. and the, take a lot of pictures and just show that pride and love. So you kind of miss that. You know, you kind of miss doing that. You know, scaring all the white people who choose to visit in February. <laughs> like, what's going on? Now, now I did see a um, a post of with your wife getting all done up and everything. Was that- yeah, I rebuked her for that. Yeah, she's been uh, sat down for wearing makeup. <laughs> she's been uh, she's been sat down for wearing makeup. Holiness is yet right over here in the Johnson house, and this this, this heathen photographer that goes to our church. You know, we're we're excommunicating her as well. Oh, uh, you know, our wives are gorgeous, man. You know, 
And yeah, uh, I was, was going to post Cleopatra up in there. She yeah, she had that Nefertiti spirit going on, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, I guess this photographer who owns a business in our church, uh, she is doing a series in which she's doing different women every week uh, mm-hmm. who are dressed and, you know, displaying our culture and, and, and heritage. So uh, Shamika will be, you know, number one because she's number mm-hmm. one. You know, mm-hmm. that's the benefit of being a first lady. Mm-hmm. Being a first lady. Hey, y'all. Uh, right at the top, before we introduce our guest, uh, first of all, we want to thank our sponsors. Uh, I told uh, Pastor Jeff that next time I'm going to send him the script so that he can do these commercials. But we celebrate Black History Month, and especially at Religiously Incorrect, we celebrate Black businesses, Black entrepreneurship. And my good friends and brothers, who I actually grew up with, uh, the Phillips brothers, run two great businesses. I'll talk about one right now, Phillips Care Cleaning. We can clean your residential and commercial buildings. Jeff, you need to hire them for Progressive Baptist. They got them. Oh, you guys do them? Yeah. We oh, do. Going on there. From cleaning your house or business from top to bottom, even the carpet. They also do snow plowing and landscaping and grass cutting. I, I think I owe them some money for the focus building. We take care of the mess that causes you stress. Yes, sir. I love it. Don't you let it. That's preacher talk, ain't it? Uh, you got to rhyme. That's a point right there, Doc. Like our Facebook page at Phillips Care LLC. Or our website at phillipscarellc.com or call my man Fernando 330 219 7916. So that's Phillips Care Cleaning and Industrial Business. And uh, we want to tell you that today, because we're in our YouTube first Sunday episode uh, with our very special guest, we're going to be giving away a t shirt at the end of the show. And I'm going to place Jeff in in charge of this t shirt distribution because I got a church meeting coming up in a few weeks and I don't want to get cussed out at the church meeting. So I'll let Jeff. Why, why would you get cussed out? They want that t-shirt. They, you know, they <laughs> listen, uh, I'm five years going. I can feel it coming. I, I, I've had five good meetings. Somebody got to tell me off in the parking lot sooner or later. First of all, I'll, why are we giving away a t-shirt when it's 12 degrees outside? <laughs> Cause hoodies cost too much. This is, this is discount religiously incorrect. <laughs> this is uh this is the Gabe's version of religiously incorrect. These t-shirts, these t-shirts, <laughs> that's that's hilarious. But yeah, man, we we are excited. So please stay on. You want your t-shirt? You know, you're probably gonna have to uh, answer some type of question at the end of the show. So stay on and watch with us and. Uh, be engaged. Be engaged. Yeah, let's make it happen, y'all. Make it happen. Be sure to like and share uh, our posts. We know we're Facebook only, so make sure you share the link on your Facebook pages, on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you find yourself. Hey, our special guest today is one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. Uh, love this brother. Uh, dynamic. Mand of God. Mand of God. All the extra syllables. Mand with a D of God. <laughs> G-A-W-D. Uh, I-, I caught a picture. I should have put it up. Uh, from an old service, uh, I think it was Martin Luther King or in our, I forget what's it called. The one emancipation service. Emancipation. Where, uh, I think they asked all the preachers to wear robes, and he had a robe on. I think, and I was like, "This is cool because he's not a robe, you know, everyday wearing right, kind right. of preacher." Uh, speaking of which, I was going to buy an old Baptist robe to wear for Martin Luther, for uh, Black History Month, like the old school flappity flap robe. Mm-hmm. And we said no. She I wanted, you yeah, I wanted to do one of them old school, you know just fly like wings of eagles kind of thing. <laughs> and our special guest is the pastor of Victory Christian Center in Coitsville. Uh, that was, 
<laughs> we're, we're gonna That's clown on him now. You want to say it? <laughs> we're, gonna we're gonna clown on him now. He's the pastor of Victory Christian Center, Coitsville. He's our friend and brother. He's one of the coolest cats I know, and we're gonna have a ball. Everybody, welcome religiously incorrect, Pastor Juan Rivera. Pastor Juan. Hey, Rivera. what's up? What's what up, man? How are what's you, son? Pastor Jeff. How are you, man? Good. He hasn't hung up yet. He hasn't hung up yet. So yeah, you, you have to have me back on in September and October for uh, Hispanic Heritage Month. We, yes, I, sir. Want, I want to know what you guys are doing. If I'm you're wearing sombreros, if you're wearing ponchos. Yes. And, uh, so that and the thing is, we got two months. Two months. Yeah, it starts September 15th and it goes to October 15th. That's just another That's face to black people because we don't even get a one whole lot of tacos there. A whole lot of tacos going on. Do we? Okay, so are we just gonna make every racist joke we can make? Tonight? No, no, we're not. No, listen. So I want to <laughs> tell you, Pastor Todd, the first time I met you, yeah, I'm at a pastor's meeting in Columbus at Bishop Clark's church. Yeah, we walk into this room where we're gonna go eat. There are there's uh there's there's these big four tables put in a square, and there's only one place setting at the head. Yes, yes, there's only one gold plates. Yes, with initials and uh, fine silverware. And I look down and I'm I'm thinking, okay, this is pretty cool. And then there's paper plates for everybody, everybody else. else. <laughs> Bishop Clark walks in, gets his seat at the table, and there's about fifty pastors in this room. And we're all sitting down and, and eating. And then Pastor Todd walks in. And Bishop gets up. And everybody gets up at the skinny little black preacher walking in. And Bishop Clark is like, this is my son, Pastor Todd. And I'm like, who is Pastor Todd? Who is Pastor Todd? <laughs> and I, think they, I think they pulled out a miniature version of the uh, gold plates for Pastor no, Todd. No, no, I didn't get it. I didn't get an extra gold plate. I'm still working on one though. I'm I'm I'm, go, I'm working on that plate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it pays to be a son. It pays yes. to be a son or a daughter of uh, our wonderful, wonderful dad, Bishop Clark. But yeah, that was the first time we 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 met each other. Uh, we're actually probably in a place to converse and talk, and uh, we we have kicked off friendship, and it's been a wonderful thing. One of our commenters said that uh, Pastor Juan is seriously one of the best dressed pastors in the area. And I don't know how you did that without ever having to wear one Steve Harvey suit like the rest of us have to do. <laughs> the rest I, of us got to wear the five button joint. Right, right. You know, I, I started off. I started off that way. Yeah. Oh, you did. twelve years ago. I need. Oh, I need, need pictures. I need, need proof. Evidence. <laughs> the five button oversized pants. That's it. Yeah, That's man. It. You you weren't a preacher in the early two thousands and in the, the twenty tens if, if you didn't have some. Uh, if you didn't have if you didn't have some of that uh flavor to you and that you know Jeff that's that's just you know us skinny guys we were suffering in the baggy clothes era we were yeah. suffering Valley <laughs> City Valley City man I I'd, I'd find some uh, some deals at Valley City absolutely and would look really really good y'all <laughs> y'all look better in the baggy than we do in the skinny so it, it's you know just, I, I would agree with you because I've seen yeah. some I've seen some abominations in church uh yeah, yeah. Some mushroom tops, some muffin tops, some male muffin tops in church that are that are that God is not pleased with. That's all I say. God is not pleased with this at all, and it is not a sweet savor in His ears. But uh, 
But uh, it's been a blessing to have you with us, Pastor Juan. You know, uh, this is the first Sunday of uh, Black History Month. We call this episode First Sundays, where we bring on a heavy hitter. You're a heavy hitter, Pastor Juan. You don't you don't want to consider yourself one, but you are doing a phenomenal job at Victory Christian Center. Been there for over two years now. It we just celebrated three years, uh, three years. in January. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. And uh, previously passed it at New Life in Poland. Mm-hmm. And uh, wonderful, wonderful ministry there. And how old are you now, Juan? If you don't mind, I'll be. I'll I'll turn forty-five uh, March seventh. Wow. We're, we're a rare breed, honestly, uh, because the the area is a little on the age side, and so to be younger and come from a younger perspective, uh, you're reaching all generations. Uh, your background, yeah. as you've joked about, is Puerto Rican. Yeah. So. In, in the context of uh, Black History Month, we're always talking like black and white, but you don't fit either of those labels, do you? Um, it's, you know, interesting. It's, it's two worlds that, um, that, that you live in. There, there are moments where you fit in either world, and then there's moments where you don't. You know, I, I think back, um, uh, you know, even this past, this past year, 2019, you know, I, I, was, I was downtown, I think during the first march uh, downtown um, after uh, the shooting of uh, uh, George Floyd. And then there was another march. And I believe it was I, I don't remember what it was called, but I believe it was uh, it was all all the black leaders and pastors in suits. And uh, I thought I can get in, you know, and, and then I I uh, I reached out and they said it's it's for the black brothers. Oh, and man. there's moments where I'm I'm. You know, I'm brown, but not brown enough. Uh, or white, but not white enough. You know, and so, in some ways, I think, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm very, I'm very content with how God made me, and I feel like, I feel like we have a prophetic destiny in this nation. You know, because the country is only getting browner um, by the day, and um, you know, the, uh, the, the, the banana is only sweeter the browner it gets. Um, <laughs> and you know, sociologists talk about how how the year twenty by the year twenty fifty, um, Hispanics will no longer be just the largest minority, but we will be in the majority. We'll be in places of government, um, of media, um, of religious and business. And so, I feel like we have an opportunity. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people may be afraid of that, especially the talk of immigration and and um, you know people coming across the border and and. Uh, you know, people don't know what what's it going to look like a browner America, and um, I'm excited for the future. I think, um, you know, I think uh, as we do our job in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and seeing and seeing a revival sweep across not just the Hispanic world but but the nation as a whole, um, I think we have a, a a great opportunity to see a see a uh, a third great awakening that's led not by just a uh, a, a monotone colored church, but a uh, a multifaceted church, a brown church, a black church, a white church, a multicultural church, a movement. And um, and so that's what I'm excited about. I got you, man. And I, I agree that that's uh, uh, that's the trends that we're going. And I remember and I mean, Jeff knows this. This is actually, of course, this is the podcast to talk about it. There's actually fearful talk, you know, in, in the black community about Hispanics, you know, taking over that minority or primary minority uh, position, if you will. 
And then, you know, you lose less and less influence in the black agenda, the black concerns, black history. And statistically, it's already changed. It's already changed. But when you look at basically where the spotlight is, Mm -hmm. you know, the black culture, African-American concerns still dominate when it talks about justice, inequalities, things like that. Uh, Do you feel like the fervor is the same as far as demanding justice from Hispanics the way you see blacks doing? Or do you feel like there's just not as much on that end with the marches and the yeah, um, it, it's, I, I, yes and no. You know, I, I think as 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 Hispanic American, um, I don't, you know, I don't have the history, um, nor the pain of of slavery in this country. Um, you know, in our DNA, we have we have we have the European, we have the uh, Native. Uh, and we have the African, you know, I'm, you know, I, I did, um, 23 and me and found, and found out that although, um, you know, the, I'm predominantly European Spaniard, I've got about 16%, um, uh, Indian, uh, the, the native inhabitants of Puerto Rico and then about 13%, uh, 13% Congolese, uh, African. And so we don't, we don't have that history. And when you look at uh, historically in our country, we, you know, we've not had a Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Although the same laws that segregated our country would have affected uh, me, um, we just don't have that history and that, and that pain associated with it. And then, and then when you even scale it down even more as a Hispanic, you know, Hispanics, uh, I mean, there's so many Hispanic groups um, within our country and around the world. And, um, and if we're not careful, if I'm not careful as a Puerto Rican, um, I may not be able to understand the pain of other Hispanic groups because we're the only Hispanic group that doesn't need a green card uh, to be in this country. You know, uh, we, we didn't come over by boat. We came over by plane. We didn't have to sneak in. We didn't have to wait in line. Um, you know, we've been we've been grafted in, if you will. And so um, and so, you know, so so yes and no. Um, I you see it. You you see you see your justice fighters out there, and uh, um, but that's that's I guess in a nutshell, um, you know, my perspective on that. I like that. Uh, I I think that that perhaps just people who don't understand the distinction, it's often said that well, everybody of color or even anybody who has any sort of immigrant background uh, has had some hardship. So obviously the the focus on black rights and black lives matter and all of this just even even as just a slogan you know feels like well how come you just can't come along like everybody else and i think there's sometimes a distinction between the differences of experience a particular uh a particular traumatic experience as i said this morning that has generational effects uh Mm-hmm. When you talk about the legacy of racism in our nation, it pervades every single sector of society. There, there is no part of society that is that did not include racism and that does not still feel the impact of racism. So it where where people live, uh, where you know, how healthcare, ec- economic opportunities, education, and of course, unfortunately, the church. You know and that's where we're still at today with feeling that 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 distinction that that buffer there the the whole segregated hour is at 11 a.m on sunday and all of that stuff of course 
those of us who've been in this for a long time would say there's probably some reasons for that that go far beyond, you know, Dr. King's dream and quotes and cliches. There are just systemic and structural problems. And I know that Hispanics, I, I had this joke to myself and it's almost a joke thing. Uh, I hate the phrase, there should be no black or white church, you know, you know, because we all know that that's the ideal. There's no doubt about it. But just up the street from you, a dear brother who we both dearly love, uh, Pastor Rojas, they have a church called the Spanish Evangelical Church. Yeah. And I don't know if anybody's ever said that should not be the Spanish Evangelical Church. Why do you identify as Spanish? You know, why would you put that label on your door? Do, do you get some of that? Because I know there are specifically Hispanic and Spanish churches. Do people come in that sort of direction where black churches sort of feel that pressure? Um, so I grew up in Spanish evangelical church. Um, uh, you know, that's, uh, I born in Brooklyn, New York, but my parents moved to Youngstown when I was six. And so that's the church I grew up in. Now my pastor at Spanish evangelical church, uh, is pastor Rojas's, um, um, the, the pastor that came before pastor Rojas. So I was already in Bible college, uh, whenever pastor Rojas came and, um, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that we've ever felt that. I think, I think, um, you know, now being in the church world, I, I think something that we have in common uh, with our uh, African American uh, brothers and sisters in Christ is that we have a unique, we have a unique uh, worship culture in the Hispanic experience, different from the uh, African American church, different from uh, your, you know, your your predominantly Caucasian church. We have a very unique uh, cultural worship experience. Our music is unique to us. Um, obviously, the language. Um, uh, most churches are now bilingual, um, you know, in, in terms of um, uh, preaching both in English and getting it uh, Spanish and then getting translated in English. And so um, I, I do remember the sense of having to give up um, a part of my worship experience to embrace um, the body as a whole. Um, obviously, within even within our city and our community, um, there are not a, there are not a lot of, uh, of options uh, when it comes to uh, Hispanic churches. Um, you know, there's some, but uh, there's not a lot of options. And so, for me to be able to grow in the call and and the giftedness that God had called me to, um, and to expand, there were some things that you had to mentally and willfully know that I'm I'm going to be giving this up, and just trusting God that um, you know that uh, that He's leading in in the right direction. And then at, then at the same time, you don't give all of it up, but I think I think you kind of uh you know, you, you, uh, you salsify the place you go to a little bit, you know, you, you bring, you bring some of that salsa, some of that fire. Yeah. You know, and, and I think, yeah, and I, I, I think one of the great things that I love about being Hispanic is I can get away with stuff, um, that, that, uh, your, your average American typically couldn't get away with more specifically. I'm, you know, I'm spirit filled Pentecostal grew up in a Pentecostal church and I can get, I can get hot. I can go after it. I could, I could preach and, and and I don't care if people say, well, he's just Hispanic. I know that's not why, you know, I get yeah. fired up about the gospel. They could think that. Right. Um, and but there's something attractive, there's something that captivates people, you know, the intensity. Mm -hmm. And um, and I'm fine with it. I'm like, you know, uh, I'll use it if if I have to, and let's let's go for it. So right. Well, Pastor Juan, I'm gonna uh get you away from all this. Yeah. Uh, black and white and Puerto Rican and I'll stuff. be back though. That's yeah. gonna bring you back. He's gonna bring you back. <laughs> He's gonna bring you back. But I'm asking some church questions if that's all right. Okay. Uh, you, you you did you uh 
you graduate? Did you graduate from Wilson? Woodrow Wilson High School. Yep, 1994. What? Okay, I graduated oh, yeah. in '92, so you must have been there when I was there. Yes, sir. Wow. Yep. Wow. Now, that's were you were you a were you a South High transplant or did you? I was East High transplant. You were East I came, High. Okay. Came from East. I was at East for two years. Came to Wilson. Um, you know, so I was I was there with a oh, you know, my, so you might know my little brothers John or James Stanford, one of them. But um, oh yeah. Like, like I said, I was uh, I was on the east side over there in what they call La La Land. Uh, okay. you, you, you know, La La Land. Next to the woods. <laughs> that's one of the things I want to talk about, because I want to know, can we still call it La La Land? Is that cool? Oh, yeah, that, why not? <laughs> is that cool? Uh, so uh, but here's the question. You know, yep. um, I grew up when I was in Youngstown, um, like I said, very impoverished, very, you know, not a lot of money. And one of the things I learned when I was growing up is that you don't go to the refrigerator to see if there's anything new inside of it, especially at the end of the month, because, you know, mama ain't got them food stamps yet. Yeah. But you go to see if you've got desperate enough to eat what's available. Yeah. Has the church gotten desperate enough mm. to eat what's available now? Uh, you know, as, as far as what's concerned. Uh, uh, of religions that are going out there, you know, everybody is it's no longer a monotheistic church. We yeah. are, you know, there's so many people, you know, with different backgrounds, different, you know, have we gotten away from the gospel of Jesus Christ and, you know, just allow everybody to do what's them and what's right to them? Man, that that's a, that's a deep question. And I, um, uh, you know, so today, uh, we started a, we started a series uh, titled "In the Beginning: Finding Jesus in the Old Testament," mm. and so today um, we did part two of that series today. And I was looking at uh, Noah's Ark, the story of the flood and the ark, and was looking at how we can find Jesus in Noah's Ark. And it, it wasn't hard to find, obviously, um, and because Jesus in the Book of Matthew he talked about he actually says Jesus says, "Remember the days of Noah." Yeah. how people were living then. Mm -hmm. And he said, it's going to be the same way when the son of man comes back. And when you read the, the story of, of Noah's Ark, um, you see both the grace and mercy of God in, 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 uh, giving, in giving Noah a way of escape, giving the people a way of escape in the ark, right? So God is gracious. But at the same time, you see a God that's a God of righteousness and holiness and whose wrath brought upon a flood on a planet that killed everybody else. Now, the Bible makes it clear, Ezekiel 33, 11, the Bible says, God says about himself that he takes no delight in the death of the wicked. Mm. So it's not like God is just, he can't wait to kill somebody, right? It, that does not make him happy. It doesn't bring him joy. First Timothy, it talks about how it's his desire that no man should perish. So that's not his heart. Yet his, you know, we, we talk about justice, right? I mean, how, how, how vocal, um, what, what, how, how, how do we get enraged when we see an injustice, right? That's because we have that part of God in our, in our uh, built in where that demands justice. And so God is just, he's holy, he's righteous. And so as I was preaching that message today, I was finding even in myself, like, when was the last time that I talked about not just the wrath of God from the flood? But the wrath of God that's coming, you know, God is love. He is merciful. He is gracious. He's for you and not against you. Those things are true. Um, 
but the people, the people in, in Noah's day, Jesus said, you know, we know that 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 Genesis describes them as being wicked and, and giving into idolatry. But when Jesus described them, he just said they were eating and drinking, giving into marriage That's and right. marrying off their daughters. In other words, Jesus depicted a people that were simply living everyday life as if there was no flood coming. Wow. Right. Yeah. So it, Jesus didn't say um, there, you know, this flood is coming and it's going to take them. In a second coming, you know, when 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 the world gets flooded, not by water, by fire, he didn't say they didn't believe in me um, because the people of Noah's time, they saw the ark. They believed in the ark, the way of escape. There it was. But the way they lived was as if, man, there's no flood coming. We're going to be OK. I could wait till tomorrow. And so as I was preaching that today, I'm, I'm realizing even within myself that we are we, we are, you know, if, if we're not careful, even as preachers, we. Uh, you know, we we we, be, we just pull off topics, make people feel good. We become a religious Dr. Phil, Oprah Winfrey. Yeah. And we've got to be careful yeah. as those who are custodians of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we preach the full gospel in a way that people realize that there's a lot more at stake um, than just uh, what church you go to. And um, and so, yeah, I, I think we've got a lot of work to do. There's a lot of warning that needs done, a lot of loving that needs done. And um and so anyway, that that hit me uh, today as I was preaching. I'm going to I'm going to go go one more time and I'm going to let you get back to your, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, my wife and I, we had the opportunity. My, my dad stays not too far away from your church. So uh, I, I told her I would take her by there. Um, she, he stays out with Camel. So, uh, you know, we start we went out there and we was listening to one song. And by the time we went past your so- church, the other two songs that came on. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> he calls you a heavyweight. <laughs> That's probably one of the reasons why. But um, <laughs> when we talk about that, you know, just in comparison, um, your church would be the mall. Pastor Torres church would be Hills or something or, or Walmart. You go back to Hills. I love that. <laughs> and and my, my church would be, uh, five guys connection downtown. <laughs> the, the connection. So you you have a, a huge church, a mid sized church, and a and a small church. Um, but you know, last week somebody asked a question about the larger churches yeah, yeah. helping out the little churches. Um, is there? How do you feel about you know churches? You know, helping out or seen about and I know you guys have various campuses that you guys fellowship with and do various things but how do you feel even outside of your denomination even outside of your culture how do you feel about that the the different sized churches and what they bring to the table well I you know I think uh you know I think the scripture talks about too much is given much is required um I think you know I I didn't I didn't build uh the church that I'm at um you know it came through inheritance um, I've got to steward what I've been given. I've, I've got to, you know, I've, I've got to um, believe that God will cause it to grow. But I think it comes with a lot of responsibility. You know, um, I understand that by default, um, you know, we're going to be looked at, you know, uh, what changes are they making? You know, even when the pandemic hit, um, uh, people, I think we're waiting. What's victory going to do? Yeah. Um, and uh, and so it comes with a lot of responsibility. I think one of the things that we've got to be careful with, I think most churches in general, but but I know that we're cognizant of is we do have a lot of resources. We have a lot of gifted people and we've got to be careful not to try to do everything in the community. 
Um, and I think that comes with really clarifying our mission and our purpose. If we've got great clarity as to what God has called us to do, let's do that. And then let's just help, let's help fund um, the other ministries or churches that, that are doing something that you're not doing, but is also needed. And so um, I, I think that's important. I think if you're, if, if you're a believe, if you're a church that preaches Jesus and um, there's no reason why they can't be collaboration, you know, um, I think Jesus, the cross, uh, you know, he's the only way to, to God's heaven. Um, if we can align on, on the, on, on just the foundations of biblical truth, there, there's no reason why why they can't this be they can be a collaboration and a collaboration where 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 we're not where we're not ones getting the credit because at the end of the day it's about helping people helping our region helping our community. So you know I look at a pastor Todd and um, you know uh, he he's got my heart right and so um, you know if there's something that's needed it, you know let's do it and let Second Baptist uh, you know shine in that region. Um, and so, because that, you know, again, we want to make Jesus famous, not Juan, not victory. Uh, it's the church of Jesus Christ in the region, uh, help become famous. Now, let me, let me just one more thing. I'm sorry, Pastor Todd, because no, yeah. I, I, I really, I need to say this and it's not a knock towards you. Yeah. It's not a knock towards, you know, a couple years ago, uh, and matter of fact, Pastor Todd was in it the next year. Uh, you guys done the, meet me at the cross. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and so, you know, by the time we found out about it and I was, I was at a different church than I'm at now. I was a pastor at a smaller church in Youngstown, Ohio at that time. But by the time we found out about it, it was, uh, you guys come and give this donation or whatever it was, or the letter mm -hmm. we had, it wasn't on the top end or, you know what I mean? Do, do we miss opportunities? To bring in, and I'm I'm not talking just for me. I'm talking about for all the smaller churches. That yeah. you know, that today I said something in my message. I said, you know, a lot of times we, you know, with with the loaf of bread, we skip past that first piece, and we get to you know those, those two end pieces. We'll throw the two end pieces away. We won't eat. We, we just skip past them. And and those two end pieces, and those those two end pieces are saying, well, we made out of the same stuff that the rest of the bread is made out. We had to go in the furnace. We had to go in the oven. Just like why y'all skipping past us? Right. It's because we seem deformed or we don't look like every like all the rest of the bread. So it, my question is, you know, are we missing opportunities on bringing some of these small and not just me or mine, but many various because a lot. Obviously, all of us who are smaller back then, we're talking like all they having this. And, you know, and that's why a lot of them said, well, we, you know, all they want from us is our money. You know, mm -hmm. and I know that you can't bring everybody to the table. I understand yeah. that, that every, you know, but there should be a representative. Yeah, so that's just yeah. I don't I don't know if that's a question or a statement, but yeah. I just throw that out there. No, I hear you. I, you know, so first of all, uh, Puerto Ricans love the end pieces of bread. <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't I won't say I know this is religiously incorrect, but I still won't say what we call it. Okay. Okay. I say it in Spanish, but I still won't say it in Spanish. <laughs> don't don't do it, Doc. But we love the end pieces of the bread with some coffee and some butter. And um, <laughs> praise God. I think, you know, it's interesting. Um, I was actually, I was pastoring New Life Church uh, during that first uh, Meet Me at the Cross. And so, um, although I, I was very close with the um, the main people that, that put it together, there was a collaboration there. But I was also on, on that end that you were talking about, um, uh, you know, uh, 
no one's fault. Um, but I, I attended that event um, just like everyone else. I missed the meeting where they were going to have all the pastors sit in one row and have them all walk up, you know, on the stage. There's probably, I don't know, 50 to 100 pastors. I was not one of them. Didn't feel bad. I wasn't offended. I was actually, I enjoyed being together there. But I, um, you know, I, you know, I'm, we're learning as we're walking through this. I think one of the things, one of the things that, that I'm aware of as, as a larger ministry um, is that, we can almost give off the vibe that if we don't do it or if we don't lead it, um, it won't be excellent. And so we don't even want to be a part of it. And um, and so I, I think that's something that that we want to work on that, you know, that, that we have so many so much giftedness in all of our churches. Um, and, you know, what would it look like if we would work together and um, and make Jesus shine, first of all, but then just allow some of those you know, other churches and, and pastors uh, shine as well. Um, you know, I'm, I'm willing to, to move forward in that and seeing what does that look like? Um, and, uh, but, but I, I feel you, I'm, again, I was one of those churches, uh, you know, we were probably running around four four fifty at the time at new life where, you know, we weren't the largest church, we weren't the smallest church, but we, you know, we weren't a part of the conversation at that time. And that's fine. I don't need to be a part of every conversation. Um, uh, but I, I get that. Um, that, that, that's real, that's a real sentiment, a real feeling. You know, speaking off of Pastor Jeff's, uh, context of large and small, and we were taking, uh, in our last show, which was ask the black pastor, uh, which we got questions that apply to all pastors and all mm -hmm. churches and that big and small. And what I picked up, uh, Jeff, we didn't get the chance to dive into it was that there are these two competing interests, almost like the economy of the church and expectations that actually mirror what we see in the secular world. You have this capitalistic cream rises to the top kind of mm -hmm. a thing where if you're successful, it's because you deserved it, you worked for it. And nobody will say that because if you say, how'd you get there? They'll say, well, the grace of God and uh, whatever. But you understand that as Pastor Juan said, there's giftedness involved. Uh, there are particular strategies that might help to grow a ministry. Then the other side is a little bit almost socialism like Everybody should try to make ways to spread the wealth in all ways, even if that's not possible or healthy. So if you're big, you should just immediately start peeling off to somebody who's small. And and then we have those of us who are small who are kind of chasing the rabbit here, desiring to be big. And uh, it, it helps drive uh, vision casting. It helps drive you know, goal setting. Of course, this internet age, the, the streaming age has given everybody a front row seat to what everybody else is doing and how they're doing it and what software are you using and this and that. And uh, you can really be something you're not in some cases. Uh, and you can aspire to something as I was having kind of a vision conversation with a brother of mine. Uh, you know, he was talking very diligently about what he's seen and what he wants to be like, and we should try to be like this and da da da. And I kind of pointed over to a pew, 60 year old pews at second and said, uh, you know, that pew has some screws in it that nobody can see. But if they are removed, people will be on the floor. Hold it together. And nobody will ever see them or know they were there. And the funny thing is, the bad part is, you know when they're gone <laughs> yeah. by what happens. And the church is like that. Some of us are not called to be on the Word Network or TBN. Yeah. Some of us are not called to ever aspire there, even if we might have major impact. Second has a great name in, in, in the region. We might not ever have a national name or an international name. Mm. And Pastor Jeff said something very uh, 
dynamic a few weeks back. He said, you know, the hood and impoverished communities and whatever, they need genius preachers too. They need, you know, a dynamic anointed singers too in that storefront church. Everybody just can't get hired by TD Jakes every time they show a talent. Everybody just can't end up leaving Youngstown and going to Joel Osteen's church because they're a, they're an excellent teacher or a great technician. And so I think God kind of sovereignly divides us up so that the church has what it needs where it needs it. And if, if, if this church happens to reach 13 people this year for the sake of the gospel in the storefront context or in the small Baptist church context, that small Pentecostal ministry, then they have done their part and their diligence where a church three miles away, you know, reach, reached 500 people that yeah. year for, for yeah. the gospel. And it, it makes a, uh, it makes for a, a, a dynamic that everyone's not comfortable with, but there's really no easy answer because at the end of it, there's still God and his sovereignty. Yeah. It's, it's still not our work. Yeah. I, I think we've got to be careful. All of us do uh, to not, to not try to stamp the world's uh, metric of success on the church. Right. Because when we do, we, we begin to embrace uh, the, the thought that bigger is better and smaller isn't. And the truth is, uh, you know, first of all, you know, Pastor Todd, Pastor Jeff, hey, congratulations on leading your church and congregation through the craziest year, the year of 2020. Right. right. You made some changes. You made some pivots and you led your church through a historic pandemic. Uh, the, the 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 stuff that was happening in our nation. And um, and the truth is, I mean, when I you know, my mom and dad, they Jesus found them in a small church. Hmm. I would I grew up in a small church and 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 I think as pastors we've got to determine in our hearts we 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 have to allow God to stamp his metric of success in our hearts so that we are not chasing a uh, the, the the culture's definition of success in our churches and and we're content with what God has called us to you know um you know I look at a pastor Todd you know I I know him better uh right now than I, than I know your your story pastor Jeff but, you know, Pastor Todd could be anywhere. We know he could be anywhere. He could be in Atlanta. He can be in a bigger city. Um, but I believe he chooses right now to be where he's at. And it's OK because God is working in him and saying, son, you're being successful here. You're stewarding uh, what I placed before you. And I think at the at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Uh, um, there's pros and cons to to big and small. Um, and, uh, you know, and again, it's 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 knowing that you're that you're. Uh, that you're stewarding what God has placed in you and not allowing the world or even the church culture to try to stamp success on us as pastors and says, well, if you're this size, you're doing good. If you're not, then you're not doing good. And um, and so uh, so that we can sleep, you know, sleep well at the end of the day, know that we're being we're being successful according to God's standard. I love it. I love it. For the record, I'm waiting on that Wakanda church to open up before I apply. <laughs> I want to I want a pastor in Wakanda or Zamunda. Uh, I'll take you the one. Uh, rifling back because we could go on and on about the economies of the church. And I, I actually made a point today in service about, you know, the economy, if you will, the economic effects on urban ministries, black ministries, how as we look at race, as we look at our world structure, it actually impacts even how we do ministry and impacts how we focus. Uh, I found myself at the beginning of the month and we talked a little bit about this privately, Juan. You know, obviously looking at the images on TV, looking at the events of the last three of the last three months. And besides my natural propensity for racial rage, 
which, you know, God is working on me. He ain't through with me yet, as Steve Harvey would say. I actually do pastor a church that actually needs to be comforted through mm. the emotions. And it's beyond pointing people to Jesus because that's what we always do. You know, we always point people to hope, but actually just comforting in the moment. Uh, I have elderly members uh, mm -hmm. who have lived through their own form of hell. I have younger members who struggle with the hope of Christ and the hope of uh, unity and equality that we've preached about and they've seen our efforts because of the nasty and ugly things that we've seen on the national stage. And uh, it almost mirrors our, 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 our conversation about big church, small church. Because I think, like you said, everybody takes their cues from what the big guys are saying. And I feel the same way, you know, in, in the black community in Warren about opening back up. I told my leaders this morning, when we open back up, I'm sure other people will feel like, okay, if Second's doing it, we can kind of feel like we can take some cues and, and do that. But it also comes to how we lend our voice to what's happening in our world, you know, how we address and, you know, how it goes. Every time something big comes up, and I'm one of them, we'll often say, where are the preachers at? Where are the voices at? Where's the condemnation? Where's the, the this at? Uh, and again, as we said at the beginning, there is a cumulative effect of trauma and here we go again and nothing's really changed. Mm -hmm. And of course, then it turns into silence is complicity, you know, things of that nature that really have caused this breach, not just in the secular world, but in the church. The feeling mm -hmm. that if you won't speak up and hear, you know, what we're feeling, uh, in some ways, this political divisions, a lot of it has some racial roots and, you know, xenophobic roots uh, that 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 feed into that. How do you feel about the church's role to speak? And again, maybe how we look to those larger figures, you know. Uh, yeah, we know Franklin Graham doesn't speak for all evangelicals, for instance, right. uh, in his rhetoric. And, and neither does Al Sharpton speak for all black preachers. And, yeah. and how do you feel about how we balance that while maintaining a gospel focus? Yeah, I that's a great question, Pastor Todd. And I don't I don't know that I got I have a great answer for you. Um, let me speak. Let me speak on these terms. I, uh, you know, I, I when I look at when I look at, you know, pastoring and preaching the gospel, I, I am I am aware that um, uh, that there are people in, in, in my congregation that that are Christ followers and they're in that space. They're wanting to know from a biblical perspective um, you know, where, where are we, uh, you know, in terms of what's happening in our world, but, but I also have the mindset of the unchurched as well, mm. you know? So I, I think, I think, you know, growing up in a smaller church, um, it, you know, the, the focus was more on those that attended, uh, not so much on reaching new people. And so I think, I think, um, I think it forces, uh, when 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 you have when you have a mindset of not just speaking to those that come every week, but also the mindset of of how do we reach new people, it, it almost it almost forces you out of that space where uh, the people want to hear what you're going to say to them about what's happening, um, because because you're 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 also focused on the unchurched, the person that's coming, and and what they're care what they care about is um, I'm addicted. I heard that Jesus delivers. How do I find that? Um, I'm hopeless. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm, you know, uh, I, I'm dealing with this issue. And, and so I, I, I feel like when I look at it through those terms, I think unchurched people aren't looking for an echo of the culture. They're seeking an alternative to it. I feel you. Okay. And, um, 
and and I think the future church uh, will consist of Christians who look, live, and sound much more like Jesus than the political candidate of their choice. Right. And um, and so I, I know that's the challenge, you know, in my seat, pastoring a church that's very multicultural. I know that um, I have a mixture of people that want to hear and they prefer to hear it from their side of the aisle, the political aisle that they stand in. Yeah. And um, and so it is a challenge. I, I think I think, um, again, I you know grew up in a smaller church and, and I, I think, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't think I answered your question, but I'm just trying to give another perspective that even as I pastor and I'm looking, I'm thinking in terms of the unchurched. I'm thinking of the yeah. person far from God. You know, what can we do today to draw them closer to God today? And um, now I would say this, that. Uh, that I think it's important um, that even outside of that role as a faith leader in the church, what we do outside of the church, you know, mm-hmm. um, I was just told by, uh, you know, one of our uh, African-American leaders just this past weekend of um, of how of how how proud he was that his pastor was at that march last year. Mm. You know, I didn't I didn't advertise it. You know, I didn't put it on Facebook. Hey, look where I'm at. You know, I'm 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 trendy. Um, yeah. Mention it from the platform. But just for him to see his pastor, um, you know, it's the moments where where I am presenting testimony at the state. Uh, you know, in Columbus for issues that matter, for issues that are important. Don't advertise those things, but it's it's making a difference where it counts. Does that make right. sense? Oh, yeah. And, you know, Jeff and I are ministering, and I've, I've mentioned this to you privately, and it's come up on our show quite a, a lot, that because racial injustice is literally a part of the birth of the Black church and the historic Black church that we pastor, not only is that an expectation, yeah. apolitically, because oddly enough, you know, 70 years back, the whole most black, if not a whole lot of blacks were Republicans, you know, before we had so certain political shifts that happened, you know, mid to late century. But on top of that, we're also dealing with the generation, again, primarily in African-American communities that are turning to other resources to find empowerment because they don't believe the church is serving that role anymore. They don't believe that the church is speaking to that role. And I would dare not say that a pastors like Jeff and I are chasing, let's say, black empowerment rhetoric in the hopes of getting somebody saved, you know, like as if that's the pathway instead of Jesus Christ. But I think there's just an awareness that there's become a dismissal of the churches that we're in a context of that our evangelical brothers might not be in, that mm-hmm. there is a tug of war going on for the soul of people who are being presented with, as I said, to one white pastor friend of mine far angrier and destructive forces and solutions uh, Mm -hmm. by embracing other philosophies, at least from a Christian standpoint, they might not think so, but I can definitely see anger being the primary, you know, emotion, retribution being the, uh, the solution as opposed to restoration and reconciliation. And we're battling that. So we know the need to speak to it within our context. And I think that's also a place where we just like we talked about the differences of churches, Everyone's not in the same context. Everyone's yeah. not in the same space with the same expectations. Uh, how do you feel the church can bridge the gap? And I will just preface this by saying, without another, let's hug it out in a pulpit. How can the church bridge the gap with the ugly divisions that have seeped into the church that reflect political divisions, that reflect you know the differences? Do you do you think some strategies might 
be able to work to help us to at least start moving back in a direction after this season we've been through? Before Pastor Juan jumps in there, can I just, you know, I just want to back up to what you were saying about taking the taking the uh, cues from uh, the bigger churches. Uh, obviously, you know, as a smaller church, you know, it, it's, it's so much different. There's so many different uh, aspects going, you know, when when, you know, during this pandemic, for example, you know, I got 57 members to call. So I'm like, give me the list, man. I call them myself. Right, right, right. I do this over the weekend. <laughs> you know, give me the list. I'm in call of them, you know. And and I'm obviously glad to reach out personally to the members. Um, like Pastor Juan said, you know, it is focusing on who's there, you know, because you know, when you got 300, 200 members, like you got two people or 10 people don't show up, you okay. You got 50 members, 10 people don't show up, and you like, oh, man, it's like empty today. <laughs> you oh, know? oh, I know. <laughs> so there's a there's a there's a there's a distinct difference, but we do take our, you know, we do take our cues from uh from uh you and 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 uh the even the monuments and, and those larger churches in the area. So we we look at okay. And and it's also different because, you know, we can social distance without, you know, all of that. You know, we, we got a church big enough where we can social distance without it. So, you know, it's, it's us trying to take our cues from you guys and make sure that, you know, what you guys are doing lines up what we're doing. So, what you laughing at? <laughs> <laughs> you, you already know. <laughs> it's an offline banter, that's all. Uh, but, yeah, back to that, uh, you know, uniting people uh in real intangible ways what do you think yeah i you know i you know i could i could pride i could i could pride myself in pastor multicultural church and and i and i do i i think it's exciting um and again i i didn't build it it was it was multicultural before i got there um so i don't take any credit for it um but i also see the need of us being multicultural um, Monday through Saturday, you know, it's not enough for, for, for me to just, uh, rest assured that we have a beautiful picture of the kingdom represented at, uh, Victory Christian Center, Coitsville. Um, but you know, you know, who's having coffee together, who's, who's spending time together, doing life together. You know, um, I, I think, I think that's key because what that ends up, ends up doing is I begin to, 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 to know what I didn't know before. You know, there's some things about the Hispanic culture that maybe you don't know. You know, for, for us, I think the reason we we as as in general, um, as a culture, we've not engaged as much um, in the cultural issues. I think there are a number of reasons for just the Hispanic church, the Hispanic population. You know, again, you know, we we are our history. We don't have the history of slavery. We don't have the pain of that. Um, at the same time, the language barrier, it's, it was always a lot easier growing up in the little Spanish church to isolate ourselves mm. in our Spanish church with our Spanish families yeah. and, um, you know, and just not engage um, the kind of conservative uh, Christianity that we embrace demanded, almost demanded to disconnect yourself from anything worldly, including things like education and sports. Yeah. And, uh, and so, 
And so we almost felt like there was this holiness about disengaging from culture um, and not being a part of it at all. And so there's a lot of things that, that um, you know, that, and, and so knowing these things and learning, learning about each other, get, you know, you shared something with me, Pastor Todd, that I never, that I never thought of when you talked about the duality of the African-American preacher, that, that you are just as passionate about preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ as I am. You're concerned about a human soul. And uh, yet at the same time, there's this pressure on you to speak to things that are affecting your community. And, um, you know, I never thought of that. It, it just wasn't my experience. But understanding that um, and then I think um, so, you know, education is important and then relationships. You know, I can't just say I love my black brother, you know, once a year at an MLK event and when we kumbaya. But I, I need to do life with you, you know, right. get our kids together, our wives together, do life, you know, so that so that it's not just I love all my black brothers and sisters. I love Pastor Todd. I'm right. invested. You know, his success means something to me. His failure means something to me. And I think when we begin to have those kind build those kind of relationships, um, activism is easy. Activism is a natural byproduct. Of, of of learning what you didn't know and then putting a face to it and a person to it and um, and putting some flesh and bones into that. And um, I mean, we, I see to my, my family, my family, my personal immediate family um, is very diverse. You know, I've got uh, I've got three sisters. Uh, my oldest married a white guy lives in North Carolina. My second sister married an Argentinian uh, Hispanic. He's a cop. And my youngest sister uh, married an African-American. So I've got nephews and nieces of all colors, all all stripes. And, um, you know, and so and they all matter to me. You know, there's relationship there. So. Um, so I you know, I think I I don't know that the strategy is just it's just it's, it's cup of coffee, just, you know, sitting down, getting to know each other and, um, um, you know, just building that relationship. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, but we want to, as we're coming to the end here, first of all, we want to thank Pastor Juan for being awesome, uh, yeah. you know, insight, intelligence. He's put up with our jokes. You know, he hasn't hit that disconnect button yet. Uh, <laughs> uh, we want to give opportunity for any questions. Uh, we know everybody's distracted with the Super Bowl and all, which is why yeah. Juan said yes, because he knew that nobody was going to. He was like, yes, I get to uh, slide under the radar here. Uh, we, we we have like either rapid fire or pastoral questions that people want to ask. This could be anything. Our our Ask a Black Pastor segment was was hilarious last week. It was really insightful. And again, and it didn't cover all black pastor questions. We might have to have a ask the Hispanic pastor one day. Let's uh, do it. We got two Hispanic months, so that's it. Right, right. We got two months to do it. Let me <laughs> let me knock in our two uh, months. September, uh, October. <laughs> yes. We want to knock in our, our, our second ad for, for the Phillips family. Phillips Care Training are the proud new owners of High Street Fitness, 277 South High Street in Cortland. They are running a special for the new year. It's about to not be the new year anymore, so y'all need to go ahead and get on this special. So you can visit their Facebook page at High Street Fitness or call 330-984-7632. And little brother Mike Phillips, who is a former Harding Raider and Pitt Panther, is the uh, owner and operator of that. And Jeff and I have already established that neither of us are signing up for this fitness program because <laughs> Mike will murder you. Mike will kill you. Absolutely. Now, don't, don't let it stop y'all. We just ain't gonna well, y'all do it. But I just, I did two days of dieting when I was getting tight in the pants and I gave up and just went to Burlington's and called it a day because <laughs> I'm not doing it. 
I, I'll just be a portly preacher. Now let 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 let's be clear here. Let's be clear here. When we say it's a New Year special, that means it's gonna go on to about June, July. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At least the Juneteenth. At least the Juneteenth. <laughs> hey, we got a question. We'll we'll finish up with this. Then we'll we'll, we'll start diving into chicken wings for the game. But uh, Fernando, who is actually one of our sponsors, we thank you very much. Uh, said, do you guys have a retirement age plan? Ooh. Well, you know, if you're <laughs> me, I think Hispanic and black pastors have the same problem. There's no such thing as retirement. My dad is <laughs> 74 years old and he's, I'm, I'm not lying. He's preaching from a wheelchair in his church. <laughs> no retirement my, plan. <laughs> my dad's not 74, but he's still preaching at 73 going on 74. Yeah. Fernando, yeah. I had a retirement plan. I was done. I was done at 55. I was done at 55 working and I was done pastoring at 60. I was moving to Florida. My 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 funds was right, everything was right. And did you hear Lord, this one? Did you hear the, this? The Lord saw fit <laughs> to 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 impregnate my wife somehow. Yeah. Um <laughs> somehow the Lord saw fit. Was it immaculate? He, he overshadowed my wife. He overshadowed. You. He overshadowed my wife, and she came to me. Is that your story? That's the story. I'm sticking to it. Golly, that would be the oldest Easter play actors ever. <laughs> the oldest Mary and Joseph in history. I had a great plan, Fernando. I was out, brother. It's over oh, now. Man. You know. I don't know because life changes you, but when you're young and arrogant, you look at older churches, and I'm trying not to be young and arrogant, but I probably have time to go because you just makes you feel that way. You think you look at older people, especially if you don't feel in your, of course, your own carnal mind that they're ultra successful, and you're like, I'll never be like that. I I'm not going to be that. You're not going to catch me, you know, looking tired behind this pulpit, you know, still trying to keep... But on the other hand, there is a genuine love for it. And you understand why people don't run towards retirement all the time. I, I'd love to say, well, maybe one day I'll finish out my education and get into a professorial role or or some type of other, you know, parachurch type thing or, you know, you know, doing this whole Martin Luther Johnson stuff. I haven't been assassinated yet. So <laughs> nobody's taking me out. But I think our generation is going to rethink what that means. And I think we already have a few guys who are a little older than us. My dad was one of them until I decided to fly the coop who were thinking differently about moving into their eighties, you know, still preaching. And uh, I'm grateful for that because I think that did the church some damage people holding on too long uh, and not taking father roles. One of the things I would say, which is really scary, especially in our churches is that I, I notice a lot, um, you know, even with me, I thought, you know, maybe after I retire, I can do a lot of evangelism. People will bring me in. Churches will call me. But I'm seeing a lot of these pastors who actually have retired literally out looking and scoping for preaching gigs on Sunday morning. Oh, and I know so, a few. I know you, a few. They right. got the resume oh, out. They're yeah, like, I yeah. still got it, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and I think Juan may be able to talk to this a lot more than we do, Pastor Juan, because I think that in churches like his, I think, is it is it different? I mean, you guys, is it different where after you retire, you guys go on to teaching roles or things of that nature? Or is it is it different? It, 
I, succession, uh, it's hard. It's hard everywhere. Um, it, succession is hard in small churches, large, large churches. I think, um, you know, large churches, it, it's just hard everywhere. I think uh, the pastor that does it well has some, they, they have ministry outside of, uh, outside of the church that they lead. Um, and it gives them just a, an easy place to land. You know, they, they transition from leading a church, but the, the, you know, the whole issue of pastors overstaying, it's just across the board. It's hard. You know, all of we're going to, we're going to be there one day, you know, and, definitely gonna be and it goes through your mind, you know, when that moment comes, you know, I, I don't know what it's like. We can only imagine. Am I still relevant? Do people want me anymore? Am I still needed? And and the thing is, people will tell you when you're 80 years old. Oh, pastor, we still want you. you oh, it. pastor, you're still yeah. you're still legitimate. You're still, and and it's being able to understand that we are we are we are custodians of the bride, not the groom, mm-hmm. uh, and we're just stewards of it. You know, and yeah. um, hopefully, I I can listen to this. You know, 30 years from now, and take my own advice. Um, but, but having outside of, and I think that starts, that stuff that starts young having, you know, beginning to prepare ministry outside of pastoring the local church, um, so that it's an easy transition when that moment comes. But the other key thing is our spouses, you know, we yeah. could figure that out. And then our spouse is like, well, what am I going to do? You know, I've been, I've been used to being the pastor's wife or first lady for the last 30 years. What am I going to do? And, right. um, and right. so making sure that that we bring our spouses along as well, um, you know, in the case where the husband is the pastor um, and the uh, the wife is a spouse, sometimes those roles are reversed. But making sure that that it's a, trans- a transition that's smooth for both. So, um, yeah, it's a problem in every church. Tiffany decided what she was going to do. Just keep making babies. That well, if y'all both babies. jump on board, if y'all both jump on board, we could all do this together. We uh, you know what? <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep a house, Doc. Let's, uh, let's we're, hold hands. We're bringing no, Big Mike in. We're, we're going to close out with Big Mike, our producer. He always gives us our wrap up. Come on in, big fella. What's happening? Hey, hey, how y'all doing? Wonderful. You can see my whole house now. Great. <laughs> Pastor Rivera, thank you so much for coming on, my man. Appreciate it. Mike. Yeah. My pleasure, Mike. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. great guest. Great guest. Uh, great insight. Great input. And uh, we'll definitely be having you back on during our Spanish appreciation. September, October, I'm available to preach at any church in the month of October. And October. I'm back. We will definitely have you back on. Definitely have you All back right. on. Now, whenever we have a guest pastor, um, I always ask this question. How good or how bad was your first sermon? <laughs> oh. <laughs> My first sermon, five years old, five, um, wow. five years old at um, the church was called El Calvario. That's Spanish for Calvary in Midtown Manhattan. It was a children's program. And I was asked to preach on Jonah and the whale. Huh. Saturday night, I was afraid. I went into my, be- my father's bedroom while he was asleep at night. And I said, Dad, I don't know what to say. He said, go to your bedroom and ask the Holy Spirit. He'll give you the words. And I showed up in church that Sunday, my little suit in that little Puerto Rican church. And uh, I preached on Jonah the whale. And then I stuck my little five-year-old finger into the congregation. I said, and there are Jonah's here today. You're running from God. And if you don't straighten out, he's going to send a whale and swallow you up. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Best story ever. I love that. (laughs) Yes. That was my first (laughs) story. Wow. That was good. That was good. 
Uh, that is funny. That's almost as good as uh, that dude that beat up one of John P. Key's background singers. <laughs> That's right up there with one of, one of our favorite That's stories. So You're right. You're right. You're right. I love it. Okay, Pastor Juan, one more question for you. Yes, sir. And I was actually told to ask you this, so I don't want to put you on the spot. So I'll give you a little hint that I was told to ask you this. What is your favorite local coffee shop? It is Culture House Coffee. Ah, uh, see, you messed up. You messed I messed up. up. <laughs> I already know who told you to hey. ask. That the guy goes to our church. Yeah. The old culture house goes to our church. That's why I said that. Uh, okay. Okay. I don't. I don't discriminate. Um, right. Culture House Coffee is a good place to go in Ohio, and uh, Fire Bean Espresso in Pennsylvania. There you go, Fire Bean. Fire Bean Espresso in Pennsylvania. If you're in Ohio or yeah near Pennsylvania, go to Fire Bean Espresso. Okay. If you're in downtown Youngstown, go to Culture House. They Very both go to our church. Right. Wow. Right. <laughs> what are we talking about? I need a coffee house owner in my church. Very good. Very we get good. All these That's, all That's all I have. It's all been right. a pleasure. It's been wonderful. We thank you all for tuning in to our YouTube only first Sunday. Uh, thank you for the comments. We got a t-shirt to give away. So uh, Jeff, you got well, 50 seconds, man. Who are we I, giving the t-shirt away to? I think we ought to give it away to Mark since he was the one uh, uh, jumping up and jump, you know, Mr. I think Mark Rains, Mark, Mr. Mark, Mark Rains, the maestro, the man. Let's Mark do Rains. two. Let's do two. Let, let's do two. Mark. Okay, so Mark Rains, I need you to type your 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 size in the uh, comments, but I think I know your size. He's medium. <laughs> hey, hey, Jeff, we call that we call it medium. <laughs> All right, you know what? I want to give Lady Dela Cruz a T-shirt. Yes, that's faithful. That's and what I was gonna say. Let's Marlene do Dela Cruz, woman of God, educator, one of our faithful rippers who has never given up on us, no matter how bad the show got, no matter how <laughs> terrible our, our online sermons, she's stuck with us. So uh, no Mark, Charlene, inbox us your sizes on our Facebook page. We are going to send you a, a, a real raw and uncut religiously incorrect t-shirt and the rest of y'all got to pay. Go to religiouslyincorrectpodcast.com and uh, get your gear, get your hoodie, Bam Bam, your mug, all that stuff. And uh, keep supporting the podcast. We'll be back next week. It's Black History Month. We're going to be extra blackly black, black. You know how we do. But we appreciate Pastor Juan. Give it up one more time for Pastor Juan Rivera joining us. Who you got in the game, Pastor Juan? Um, I'm looking for a good game. I'm not a super huge sports guy, but I would like to see, uh, you know, Tom Brady's already solidified that he's the GOAT. Okay. If he wins tonight, there's just, I mean, it's its just like over. So uh, yeah. I'm just looking for a good game, um, okay. and I think it's going to be a good one. And so uh, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards, I'd like to see Tom Brady just put the cherry on the top. We'll see. Okay. Okay. We'll leave it at that. Thank yeah. you all for joining us. We appreciate it. We'll see you next week, Facebook and YouTube, 9 p.m. Tune in for another great episode of Religiously Incorrect. Mike, I want to dance. Take us out with some music. Peace, y'all.